ladies and gentlemen, it's time for another edition of Adventures in Careerland. everyone. Welcome. It's Adriano Magnifico. I'm your host for the podcast. And Adventures in Careerland is a space where we talk about career stories. We talk and we look for those stories and those cataclysmic decisions that people make in their lives that help them find their right and true path. We're about the truth and all those decisions that come along with the truth. So we do this at the Broadcast Media Program in the Louis Riel Arts and Technology Center. And this is one of the programs of 13 that help students connect to applied and apprenticeship training opportunities for themselves. It's one of those places where high school students and post-secondary students get a chance to test themselves, gauge what they're interested in, and try to connect to skills. Because really out there, people want to know what you can do today. What are you good at? And so while high school turns you into a great reader, writer, and thinker, and lots of critical thinking. This pushes it one extra level. Two, show us what you can do when you're plumbing, when you're designing websites, when you're working with kids in a childcare environment, when you're fixing a car, or when you're in the gem of a program, the broadcast media program, when you're video editing or working in the video media realm. Very cool program. It's always my great privilege to work with two students in this program. And this year, we've got just a couple of fireball students. I call them Cracker Jacks and all kinds of things. But today, <laughs> it's a fireball students. And our student in the broadcast media program, CJ. Hello. Identifies they, them. How are you, CJ? I'm doing good. A little tired. A little tired? Why are you tired? I don't know. I am usually tired. I had coffee this morning, but I guess it didn't. You're work. a high school student. You're just tired. Do you sleep a lot? Do not like really, actually. I get like six hours of sleep a night. That's not good enough, CJ. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's not good enough. And of course, you're with Andre Boisjoli. Yeah. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. All right. And also a bit tired. You're also tired. Yeah, I was working on a project last night. Stayed up late. And oh, I woke up at what seven a.m. this morning. So yeah, oh, tired. so early oh. for Andre. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> well, Andre is from out of town. Where are you from? I am. Andre? So, yeah, I'm from Saint Adolphe. The or should, should I say the island of Saint Adolphe right now? Is it? Is it really? <laughs> it is. Yeah. How, how's the well, flood? So what's it like driving there on each side of the road? Are you seeing like just endless water? Yeah. So you can get in there from well two ways from the bridge, obviously, but it's it's getting high there too. But I mean, the crest had, was a was already reached like a couple days ago but anyways it's going down but it's pretty high and then we can get in from south of town but it's also high over there and then all the other dikes are closed there's like three of them yes so yeah is i mean it, is this tension for you like does this do you worry really. about it in not, winnipeg we got the floodway right CJ, yeah. do you even think about this with the floodway around here I'm on the third floor of an apartment building so if it floods i would be much more concerned as to how it got to the third floor Okay. <laughs> but do you worry about this? Is this tension for you? Well, your family? Not really, because we live inside inside town. We live inside the dike. Yes. I mean, my backyard, the, the, the dike is right there. I can see the water, but it doesn't worry me that much. Okay. Is it to yeah. the point where, um, like, it's the you're actually driving through the water, or is there still a road that you could drive on this? And... Mm, 
Well, like it's where, not up your tires well, or anything, it, is it? Yeah, well, where they close the roads, yes. Yeah, depends oh, okay, where yeah, you're yeah. driving, Defe- right? Yeah. Like, okay. even, even south of town, um, there's water that started going on the road, but the crest has already peaked, so it's only going to go down. Well, we're there. getting a lot of rain in the next few days. That's yeah. Right. We are. Oh, uh, have you heard of uh, Minidosa? Just even this morning, they said that that's flooding too, but that's from the Saskatchewan River. But. Well, this is climate change. Do you think it's climate change or not? Yes, it is. I, I could go into a lot about climate change. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> Maybe that's for another podcast. Even though it sounds infinitely interesting. Yeah. Right, do you think it's climate change stuff? Mix of both, yeah. yeah. Mix okay. of both? What's the other thing? Well, yeah, I think it is caused by, you know, us, obviously, over, oh, yeah. over consumption of, like, fuels and plastics that ju- that obviously change our environment in a faster way i mean that's an obvious fact yes mm-hmm. right and i guess it it's also maybe part of the process of nature i mean stuff floods but i do really realize that like even in the back of my house there used to be houses there like just ba- before 97 yes. right yes so yeah, it's it's interesting to see. Things change over time, but they I do. think this is a bit drastic. It is, yeah. Well, it's happening so quickly, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Anyway, hey, that's uh, more for that because Winnipeg will be in this state <laughs> and Manitoba will be in this state for a while. So maybe yeah. we'll talk more about that later. But today, oh my gosh, this is, uh, again, it's a fireball program. We have a guest way back from my time as a teacher at Windsor Park Collegiate which is also undergoing a very interesting transformation it is, as yeah. they switch schools. I'm not going to get into it yeah. anyway. And he's a Windsor Park Collegiate graduate from 2007, and he's got an interesting story. So when I talked to uh, Riley, and of course, Riley and I connected through LinkedIn, right? And I always tell you guys, get on LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah. Classic oh, social it's media. The classic social media. And Riley can, can refer to this. But our guest today is Riley Hastings from... Windsor Park Collegiate, grad 2007, but now working for National Leasing. I'm telling you, though, his story is quite amazing. So, Riley, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Well, you are, uh, you're an interesting fellow because, again, we hooked up on LinkedIn. Just tell these students that I work with how important LinkedIn is. Could you just give them the (laughs) message again? We've heard it many times. Many times. Yeah, you've heard the message. Well, it certainly is important. Um, And classically, it's been... Um, kind of a job seeking website. So if, if you're trying to start a career or change careers, like people use it for that. Um, but increasingly it's, it's, you find a lot of thought leadership on there. Um, people are connecting for business purposes there. I work in B2B marketing. So I definitely, um, running ads on the platform. I'm using that to connect with business owners. Um, if I were to like critique link, LinkedIn. It's like if if like Twitter and Facebook are like toxic negativity, LinkedIn's like toxic positivity sometimes. Like everybody's like so rosy and like this is amazing, everything's great. And look so what it's I'm not, doing now. That's, like, it, like, exactly, that's the only thing about it. Eh? Exactly. Yes, I'm so, so honored to have. It's because been. it's for old people. Like Facebook no, is not. like that. No, Facebook not. is like that. No, you have Riley, all these people. Not old. No, no, Riley's you have old. you have people on Facebook that are like, oh my goodness, I had this wonderful omelet this morning, and I'm like good yeah. for you nobody i don't yeah. think people do that on facebook and yeah, twitter's like we're all doomed they do today <laughs> oh yeah twitter is like the world is gonna end tomorrow yeah exactly anyway i'm telling you you my little cherub, my tool. little cherubs you should be on linkedin at some point and update your profile so it's it's interesting it's thought-provoking it's full of curiosity really like that's where i've connected to so many ex-students on linkedin 
and just new people with whom I'd like to meet and, and, and converse that um, I just find it a valuable resource for networking. I, I really, it's, it's just a neat way to talk to people who may have the same interests you have too, which is, which is really neat you can be, because you can form groups and, 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 and get together and just share interests that you may be interested in or more curious about as well. So mm-hmm. I like it anyway. LinkedIn isn't paying us so to, to heck with this. Yeah. <laughs> We got to get LinkedIn as a sponsor. Is that what we you do? do? Yeah. That's what we, we really talked about do. last podcast or last episode. I know. We love the, I love the program. Anyway, this is funny because when I started the career internship program at Windsor Park Collegiate, which I'm very proud to say, one, for the first time ever, I, I do all kinds of junior achievement events around the division. I work with uh, Nelson Mack a lot. And I, work, I worked a little bit with Windsor Park this year. They won the Junior Achievement Company of the Year, Windsor Park, yesterday. Congrats. <laughs> there Amazing. it is. So, alumni. Is, is alumnus so very good yes very good for them but i remember meeting i was trying to get this program going at windsor park i've told you guys before and it was really tough at windsor park because i brought it from river east which was it was easy to populate because it had an entrepreneurial verve and i remember trying to convince people like riley in the hallway come on join this program join this program and he said to him, i remember we were chatting the other day and he said well i was kind of a disengaged student i, I want you to talk a little bit about walking those hallways at windsor park and sure thing. what you were looking for and why, when we ran into each other, we weren't, we weren't sure about each other, about what could this, cause it was, it was guinea pig time too. I was trying to program out there, right? Just talk about that life for a bit. Yeah, for sure. So, um, I mean, in high school, I was totally engaged with music. Uh, I played in the band and the jazz band and I would say totally disengaged with the rest of the academic side of school. Um, so, you know, I would have sixties and seventies in all my classes and a hundred percent in my music courses um, I always just gravitated towards something that interested me. And I, I was just never super interested in, well, I shouldn't say I wasn't super interested in the learning. I did okay in school, but I was more interested elsewhere. I was I like from the time I was 14, I had a punk rock band. We were playing shows in the city. I was really interested in socializing later in high school. Frankly, uh, partying was more interesting to me than homework. Uh, what? I, I seen, what? How no. be? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to shoot it to you straight on this podcast. <laughs> oh my that's gosh, was, I've been a naive teacher all, all my life. What's going on here? <laughs> I think you probably have. You, guys, you, you weren't hanging <laughs> on my every word in that class? What's going on? <laughs> your class, you know what? Your class was good, um, especially when we did Shakespeare. I mean, that, that always stuck, sticked out to me. I don't know if you've ever had uh, Mr. Magnifico read Macbeth to you, but it's pretty epic. That's all been, voices. No. Oh, it's, uh, yeah, I got to recommend <laughs> That actually sounds interesting. You know what? I I told these guys, and you know what, Riley, they don't teach a lot of Shakespeare. I was so versed in it and I was, I acted in it, did it all all Mm -hmm. my life. So I, it was such a part of. I think they only teach Shakespeare in like drama clubs now. Well, no, I actually, well, my French class, we actually do, well, the French version of Shakespeare, Molière. The French version? Oh, Molière. Yeah. At Cirque Molière? Or, well, or well, the, the Cirque Molière is named after, after Molière, the, after Molière, the playwright. The, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, yeah I, I studied one of his plays, The Miser. I remember that. That's what it is. That's in right. French, it's called Lavard. Same Lavard. word. Yeah. C'est ça, c'est ça. Hey, tout par la France. Va bien, va bien, va bien. Anyway, whatever I'm saying. That's good. Yeah, yeah but, uh, but yeah, I do remember you kind of approaching me about the career internship program. And uh, I remember being p- pretty open-minded to it because anything to shake up the routine was welcome to me. I was, like I said, pretty bored of uh, reading books and writing tests. Um, the career internship program seemed a little bit more hands-on to me. 
And then also because like I was so interested in socializing and stuff like that, I also had a friend, uh, Jordan Manton, who you might remember, Mr. Yeah, yeah, he was, Jordan he, he was in the program, so I also kind of like wasn't Jordan like, oh, into the go. wasn't Jordan into the automotive stuff? Well, yeah, he did Birchwood for his That's internship, right. and now and now he's killing it. He's got a skilled trade in windows and doors, and uh, quite a successful guy. Right on. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, then then I got on board with it, and, and uh, yeah, it was a kind of a highlight academically in school. Well, it was different, right? Like uh, you yeah. were looking for, it, and I don't know how many kids you do the same thing for like eleven years, and you almost become zombie like in school, right? I I, I kind of like what you said. You're the seventy percent student, and for that mm-hmm. student, there is nothing in school. If you're barely passing. All these resources go into you. We got to, we, you know, we got to drag you over that line. If sure. you're a top student, you're applying for all the scholarships and you're getting all those awards. The 70% school meanders through school kind of blandly and no mm-hmm. one pays attention to you because you're not failing, but you're not doing great. We got not, he's fine. He's just fine. Yeah. Leave him alone. And, and I think I got away with a lot for that reason. Of I course. flew under a lot of uh, radars because I was probably getting as in as much trouble as the kids who were failing, <laughs> but I wasn't getting in trouble because I was kind of just, yeah, riding that median. But um, frankly, that's because I wasn't putting too much effort into it. Um, no, you were super smart. That's what I, when I connected with you at, at, at Windsor Park, even our conversations, I thought, got to get you in this program because the career internship program was about can I connect you to something that that really turns you on, that really For excites sure. you? And do you remember your internship? Yeah, absolutely. So like I, that was I the cool to... part. I think that's what hooked you in the end because you said, I want to do music. And I went, geez, got to set up an internship <laughs> with music. How am I going to do that? And we did it. It was kind of cool. It. Talk about it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I, I did my internship at uh, Signpost Studios, which is uh, a studio owned by Steve Bell. He's a Juno winner. Um, Christian folk artist and uh, I got to go and spend uh, three weeks was it in in the studio Um, got to attend recording sessions uh, all this stuff that was that was really cool and and this was a major for me because it was one example I saw early on of somebody doing music as a career and that's what I wanted I didn't know the route to it I wouldn't discover the route to it until much later Um, but it showed me that it was possible. And, and that certainly um, was just right in line with my interests because I was writing songs. I was wanted to tell stories through my music. I wanted to play to big crowds of dancing people and all that fun stuff. I eventually got to do that. Um, so I do attribute, uh, you know, that internship as kind of a glimpse into the world of being a professional artist. Well, that's kind of interesting because when we grow up as people in high school, like you want to be a hockey player or you want to be like, you showed up, I want to be, I want to play in the Montreal Canadiens. I knew that wasn't going to work. Uh, I think that's just you, but okay. I know it's just me. I just, but, uh, and, but the other one is you want to be a rock star, man. Come on. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what, so talk about this progression. You said, I got a glimpse of what a career in this looks like. And it's funny. Mm-hmm. I was watching Bill Maher. Do you ever watch the Bill Maher show? Like real time with Bill Maher. He's a political, oh, yeah. He, he, yeah. he's a comic. He had on, which was amazing as his opening guest, Rod Stewart cool. on the weekend. And Rod Stewart just talked about, um, I mean, his life as a rock star. It's like 75 now or something. And uh, Bill Moore asked him, so do you still like being a rock star? And he goes, oh, yeah. Like, he's a British <laughs> guy, right? He's just, and I, I've seen Rod Stewart three times, and I just love that guy. 
But that notion of being a rock star is like a fantasy thing for a young person in high school. So was that part of your gig? I want to be on stage. I want to be the rock star. Yeah, absolutely. I always kind of, I was always kind of on stage, whether I was just class clowning in school or just finding ways to get attention from a crowd. Um, I always had that, that charisma and that, I guess, kind of had the idea that I was someone who was interesting for some reason. And I wanted to be heard, uh, from a very early age. And, uh, yeah, that was the dream. So you said career. So how did this look like as a career? How did you start this off? Because you went touring around. You became a rock star, man. I lived That's crazy. life for, for like life 10 rock star. years. Talk yeah. about what that looks like. As for a sure. young guy in high school, where do you even start? Like you said, I had no idea how to start this thing. So how did you start it? Yeah. Well, okay. Well, we'll start at, at kind of the end of the school. It, uh, the, our graduating year, it kind of ended on a on a bad note. There was a, there was a tragedy. We, we lost a, a oh, classmate. Yeah. It was a really sad ending to our high school and um, a lot of us uh, kind of had a rough go for a number of years. I was had had some years of of struggle, some dark times. Um, had my guitar. I was always writing songs, trying to express myself that way. Playing music with some people that were kind of interested in jamming in the basement, hanging out, uh, nothing too ambitious. Um, but then when I was about twenty one, I, I met a group of guys just through this is really going to date me through MySpace. We all had uh, <laughs> music profiles on, on MySpace. So all these guys I'd never met before um, reached out to me to start playing music. And, um, and they, and they were a little bit older than me and a little bit more ambitious. They had a little bit more business sense They they were, they knew how to kind of brand things and they were willing to do the work to book shows, to record albums and stuff like that. And um, I mean, one takeaway lesson, if I have one there is, don't be the smartest guy in the room ever or the smartest person in the room. Like surround yourself with people who are more ambitious than you, smarter than you. I've, I've followed this practice throughout my life and I try to surround myself with people I can learn from. And uh, they're the first example of a group that, uh, that really wanted to make a go of it. And uh, you know, within a year we had recorded a full length album. We had received grant funding to do so. So it was all in a, a, a professional studio. Um, Where'd you get the and- grant funding? Manitoba Film and Music, uh, is, and then Factor is a federal uh, funder that, that does grants, and uh, it's a little bit of work. you got to put together a business plan and stuff like that. I wasn't the expert in that stuff at the time, but we had, again, people who were willing to do the work. Um, so the grant funding, I mean, made a huge difference throughout our whole kind of musical career. Um, and yeah, you know, we put out a few songs, start doing some PR, start getting some media, start doing the TV morning shows and stuff like that. And then we get, um, we start getting booked for festivals, uh, which was big. The inter- uh, Winnipeg International Jazz Festival at the Cube was one of our first big shows. We played that eight times. Uh, my band that's still intact, same band, the Noble Thieves, were playing that this, uh, this June on, on Father's Day. So uh, still have that connection there. Um, and you know, the more it seemed like people liked us, the more we put into it okay. and we started, okay, uh, just a second. Yeah. You're playing at a jazz festival. I thought and you're yeah. a punk band. We're, we're actually more of a soul band, like soul okay. rock and roll. But, Definitely a bit but of a punk. You started out banging it. in the basement, right? As a punk group. Oh yeah. That's the yeah, stuff. Absolutely. Cause I remember, didn't you guys play at Windsor park on the stage or something? Like, Oh yeah, of course. Like, did times. you do that? Now, I remember listening to you guys saying, and even then, Yeesh. boy, you guys are loud. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I you, think... you guys like to rip those guitars. Like you guys, and I, I just thought the energy up there was amazing from the, from your band because you came in to play or something at some, I don't know, some event that was going on in the day. Your band That's right. Kind of cool. Yeah, anyway. we did we, we did one year as like the punk band, the high school punk band. That's the original kind of group of friends from Windsor Park, and uh, they shot they shot us out, they shut us down at some point. <laughs> the music was pretty aggressive, maybe not school appropriate. And then in grade twelve, we did a tribute to Kiss, and we did the whole like Kiss makeup and everything. Really? Big like that I was a full page picture of me in the yearbook of me dressed as Ace Freely. Yes. It was fun. Yes, wow, that yeah that. That was all good. But you know what <laughs> I love sure. about that? You're you're really expressing who you are. You're expressing your culture. You're expressing what what your passions are about life yeah. and living. And even in your lyrics, when they shut you down, those lyrics. Uh, I was one of the guys in the group saying, "Let them go. Who cares? <laughs> it's not like you've never heard this before." No, no, no. <laughs> shut them down. Shut them. That's down. fair. Yeah, I mean, always from starting in high school, I always had that charisma, that on stage energy, and that presence. Um, with this new group of guys, I found focus and, and musicality and, um, and, you know, we just had a, a product that people connected with. Um, so then we started the touring. I mean, started off like pretty, pretty roughing it, crashing on people's couches, driving a Dodge Caravan with a U-Haul on it all the way to Toronto and Montreal and all the way back. So yeah, we did that first tour. A couple people left couple more people joined it ended up with our core lineup and um i don't know exactly how many how many tours we've done but we've done a lot of trips through western canada through all the ski towns banff and jasper and what a great way to see canada um so cool and uh then we got a big grant for for a full-length album uh the noble thieves it's tough to be the bad guy is the name of the album and I will mention, you can check out all of our music at thenoblethiefs.ca. Um, we've been put, doing music for a long time, so we're only getting better at it. But uh, with this album, we got really ambitious. We booked a tour to England and France. We played festivals in uh, Wrexham, Wales, and Liverpool, and, and all these places. And as I traveled around, you know, traveling as a musician isn't necessarily glamorous, but you do get access to kind of the coolest slices of society, all these kind of subculture groups and, and underground musicians and artists and poets and, and, and all this. Stuff. And um, man, that's just brain food. Like I was just a sponge when I was out there just soaking in all these experiences, some, some sketchy, some downright dangerous, <laughs> some like, you know, it was, it was, yeah. uh, we were flying by the seats of our pants, but it was uh, really eye opening to, What's out there, especially in the world of creative expression. Yeah. Um, do you do you so you talk about how you went on tour and all that and all these experiences? Do you remember maybe your your favorite uh, set that you did, your favorite concert that you uh, mm -hmm. did? Yeah, that's always always tough to nail down. Uh, we've done a lot. We'd have we built a pretty good following in Edmonton. Like that was one city where we could go, you know, announce a show and we'd sell it out. Um, so it was cool to have like a strong following uh, somewhere outside of your hometown. Um, and then some were more memorable because of where they were, like playing in uh, Nashville at this little dive bar called Springwater, and and that's where. Um, the Black Keys recorded their little Black Submarines video. So there's like all these little bits of history, you know. One really memorable show was in Austin, Texas. Uh, Austin's really cool. Like a lot of their bars are just kind of houses. 
that have been turned into a bar and there's a big backyard of the stage. So we played to hundreds of people. They were just losing their minds. It was midnight. It was 40 degrees Celsius. Um, <laughs> it, it was just a, a pretty unreal experience. Um, so that's one of my favorites. And then some of those hometown shows still remain my favorite. Like I, I've traveled so many places and I'm always so happy to come back to Winnipeg. I don't know if I have Stockholm syndrome or what, but I still love it here. And uh, so playing the big jazz fest shows playing Canada day at the forks to like 10,000 people. That's uh, definitely near and dear to my heart. Is there any uh, location that you haven't gone yet that you really want to go and tour to? Yeah. I mean, I've never done the West coast of the United States, so I've never been to LA or anywhere in California. I've done the whole Eastern side, New York, um, New Orleans, all those kind of spots, but yeah, West coast, I think it would be my, my favorite place to go. So the band's still going. Do you like? Do you, oh yeah. So the band is still going. You're still making albums. So how many albums you got out? Two or three? Or we we have two full length albums. We have a, a seven inch, which is like a, like a, basically a forty five two songs yeah. on a vinyl. Yeah. Um, and then recently we're we're more so doing singles, just just because the music industry has changed. The and uh, you know you kind of it's a little bit more cyclical and a little bit more like you put out a song, you promote it, you put out another song, you promote it. So yeah. and people are it, constantly yeah. consuming your stuff, right? And you have to yeah. yeah you so can't if you take put out a time. whole album, it's yeah. relevant for like two weeks, and then yes. you have to write an entire more album. So you got to be a little bit more economical with your output. Yeah, um, yeah, you got to be yeah more judicious yeah. about how how you push this stuff out, right? And I think people yeah. also don't necessarily have the patience to wait for albums sometimes as well. Yeah, that's a good point, CJ. It's kind of like, give it to me now. I want content now. Well, that, uh, and, yeah. and that's a Gen Z attitude, right? I just, like, give it to me now. Give it to me short Instinct gratification. Give me the TikTok of music. <laughs> I can attest. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's actually some good songs from there. Oh, uh, yeah. That's, For sure. That's yeah. pretty depressing. Anyway. Yeah, so, I, and, so as recently as September, we released a song called Super Glue. It's super fun. Kind of like a... This rock and soul hip hop tune that we had a lot of fun with. We shot a music video for that. That's like kind of in the style of uh, like a '90s much music video. Like we're definitely nostalgic for that as as millennials. So uh, we're all about that. And uh, so that's on thenoblethieves.ca. And we've got a new song coming out June 17th um, that we're really really proud of. We shot a shot a fantastic video with a young up and coming video producer. Um, so. Yeah, stay tuned for that as well. That'll be coming. How exciting! Soon. So now you know what's odd. So you toured for how long? You did this life. You know, mm-hmm. I, I feel like this the Jackson Brown Brown song. Let the roadies take the stage. Mm-hmm. Were you setting it up? Did you have your own entourage, your crew, or you were setting it up, taking it down, then you got to play? Yeah, it's a pretty bare bones operation <laughs> for sure. We we would we would sometimes tour with a sound tech, so we could, we'd at least knew we had you know someone good behind the soundboard. Um, but yeah, pretty bare bones. We'd often uh, tour with other bands. Um, he's on scenes, a great Winnipeg band that we did a lot of touring with. Um, but yeah, we were doing all the schlepping, all of the carrying of the gear, all that stuff. But thanks to grant funding and, you know, merchandise and, and show revenue and stuff, uh, we were able to make it a little bit of money doing it. So I've traveled to 21 States all over Canada and Europe for free. So in, in that sense, that that's that was our measure of business success at the time. It, it's always more about the art, and we're so proud of what we've done and what we continue to do. Um, the heaviest part of the touring was from when I was about twenty one to about twenty nine. Um, we were very active, multiple tours a year. 
Well, that's that's amazing. So, so mm-hmm. if you, one of your albums gets big, are you just like because you're working for the man now? Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm like a <laughs> you're working for business the man. guy. Now. You're a business guy. What happened? Just yeah, like, like, like you're you're a rocker, man. You got to rip your you know smash your guitar on a. On, a, yeah. on, a, on part of the stage, rip your shirt off, throw it in the crowd. For sure. That's got, yeah, it's all about that happening at yeah. National Leasing or? <laughs> <laughs> no, there's actually a lot of, a lot of good musicians there, but, uh, you know, for the most part, I, um, I still need that balance. I still need to do of that course. rock and roll. I still got to do those shows. And, um, there's a certain weight lifted off my shoulders now, whereas it used to be, you know, the goal was to, to become successful in a sense, to make money, to make a living doing this. And, and for some people that works out, it's obviously very rare. Just like you're talking about like uh, playing for the Montreal Canadians. I think your odds are just about as good to make money as a original artist. So once that, so once I decided to get an education, go into a new line of work and stuff, I've never been, I've never had more fun creating music. There's no pressure that I'm not writing songs singing like, Oh, are people going to buy this? Uh, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, is this, does this reflect like my best work? Is this, does this make me happy? Um, oh, that's perfect. Yeah. So I, I even think our so most you're touring music is like, more genuine for that yes, reason. Yeah. That's awesome. So you're touring for a while. You're going through uh, all these cities. You're traveling around the world. And then at some point you decide I have to go get an education. So mm-hmm. when does that cataclysmic moment happen? And what do you choose and why? For sure. Yeah. So um, I guess around when I was about, I was about 29, the, the touring was starting to slow down. Other guys in the group who I mentioned, they're older than me. were kind of settling into careers and stuff. And, um, I was working at a, at a restaurant serving tables, which, uh, total sidebar, if you're like just coming out of high school and, and you're like just kind of starting out working a job, like if you're, you know, there's, there's a lot of options, but be like if you have that personality serving tables is awesome you can actually like i, I was making 25 30 bucks an hour just schmoozing with people and bringing them spaghetti so <laughs> it there wasn't an immediate like panic I, I could have kept doing that um i was supporting myself just fine and and all that but there's this kind of inner turmoil started beginning at where you just start to feel uncomfortable stagnant um just started kind of feeling like there's there's something more that I could do. And also like, I'm really good at writing music. I'm really good at playing music, but starting to feel like that's the only thing I'm good at right now. Um, so, so there, there were some challenging times, like uh, just my general demeanor and, and everything like a, just a, almost a bit of a depression where I felt that I had stopped growing and I was way too young for that. I mean, you should, everybody should always try to be growing in some sense. So, I started, yeah, basically thinking that it was time to get some education. It was a pretty easy choice for me in which direction to go. Uh, so I applied to go into the creative communications program at Red River College, um, a program I can't speak highly enough of. It's it's fantastic. So that's where I learned uh, journalism, public relations, marketing, broadcasting, video editing, all these things um, that were in some way related to creativity, which has always been my biggest strength. Um, and then it, it's, it's primarily, it's a course about writing and writing effectively. And I always kind of knew I had some talent for it. Well, one thing that kind of sticks out as a memory from high school, Mr. Magnifico, is you telling me like, you know, you could be the best writer in this class, but you just don't try. 
<laughs> and and uh, at the time that fell on deaf ears, but it stuck with me later on. And I was like, yeah, I can write. No, you're talented. You were very, very yeah. talented. You know, yeah. all the, all the expletives coming out of your mouth in those songs. I thought this kid's got <laughs> talent. He's got to exercise it. <laughs> for sure. For sure. So, so that's what led me to, uh, to try for pre-com and I, and I didn't know exactly what direction I wanted to take. I didn't go in there thinking I want to do this. I want to do this. But, um, the first step to getting in is there's a bit of like a entrance exam. You, you put together so like some samples of stuff you've done. So I put together a lot of like, you know, footage of me on TV talking about the, the noble thieves or like little kind of creative things we've done along the way. And, uh, yeah, you had to create and, a portfolio, right, of some of your best right. works, and, and they yeah. had their criteria for what they wanted, right? Yeah, exactly. I, I, so I, I've helped a few kids get into that program. Mm -hmm. But in high school, it's different. Like, you've accumulated them all. Were you just grabbing pieces from your repertoire and putting them together and just sharing them? Or did you have to create yeah, some new exactly. stuff for them? Um, well, there's two parts. You, like, you, 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 I submitted some existing stuff and then some uh new stuff they'll give you a writing prompt you have to write a short story etc and i just uh put that all together i got accepted that was uh yeah i guess when i was 29 um and then straight into the pressure cooker the creecom is a very difficult and demanding program i was probably working you know 15 hours a day on on homework and stuff like that i never worked so hard in my life but i was uh at a point in my life where I, that's what I wanted to do. That's what was bringing me fulfillment. And I, I put everything I had into that program. Um, the, there's four majors you can choose. So the first uh, is journalism. Uh, and there's public relations, advertising and marketing communications and media production. And after the first year, I decided to go into the advertising and marketing stream. Um, I felt like it had the healthiest job market. Um, and it was just... It wasn't even necessarily the best, the area I was best at. I think I was probably best at the journalism courses. And I actually ran the Red River College newspaper for a year as their editor-in-chief. But, yeah, something pulled me into marketing, and I never really looked back. I, In between my first two years of school, I got a summer student job at CWB National Leasing. Um, and, uh, that got my foot in the door, uh, had a, had a great boss there, had a great team there and, uh, decided to put all my effort into getting a full-time job with that company. So throughout my second year of Crecom, while I had already way too much work going on, I was freelancing for CWB national leasing, writing their blogs and their, uh, social media content and stuff like that. And that led to, um, my landing a marketing specialist role there. And uh, after just under two years, I've been promoted to content marketing manager. So uh, pretty sweet gig. Um, not something I like 21 year old Riley would have ever guessed I would have gone into. Well, but no, I just, man. Hey, you're working for the man. Come on. I know. You never would have done that. that. You're yeah. a rocker, man. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Did you think since you went uh, what people would consider a bit later into college or university, did you think that was more beneficial than going like right after high school as most uh, high school students are pressured to do? Yeah. So that's a great question, CJ. And something I definitely wanted to highlight for me, it was an absolute advantage. And, and I don't think it had so much to do with my age as it did my state of mind going into it. I was, I, I had a clear goal for the end of it and I was just, I was just ready for it. I wanted to do that. So there were people in my program who are 18 years old who just like blew me away. 
Like they were so impressive and they were ready to do it. To have that, that kind of stuff figured out so young is rare. Uh, but these people did and they crushed it. But for me to go in as a mature student, as someone who is funding my own way, like I, I took out a loan and I had like, you know, I was accountable for the financing of it and everything. So I was all in. And for me, it was a massive advantage. I graduated at the top of the program. I, it was, I was very successful. So, in that program so what's the great irony ready. there? You're a disengaged student in high school. Mm-hmm. And then you finish at the top of your class in Crecom. What's the <laughs> message? What's the message there for education? The message there is that there's no one timeline, and you shouldn't compare yourself yeah. to the paths of others. You know, some people like, like you said, CJ, feel pressure to go kind of right into something right out of school. I would say that if you got a free ride, if your parents are forking over the cash for that, and you don't have other plans, why not? Um, but it helps when you know for sure you're, you're, or at least you have a good feeling that you're going into something that is going to turn into a career for you or bring you some kind of fulfillment that you don't currently have. I was completely satisfied with my life in high school because I was having so much fun. I was completely satisfied with my life as a musician because I was living as an artist. And um, when that satisfaction wasn't enough is when something switched and I was like, okay, let's go. And, uh, Luckily, still had some brain cells left and absorbed enough information <laughs> uh, when I was in Crecom. You had the foresight to work with National Leasing. Was that kind of one of the co-ops they offered along with the program that you applied for? Or did you just go out and get that? It was separate. I went out and got that um, over the summer. So with Crecom, you do um, two, three-week work placements. Yeah. So I also got to do one with... Uh, uh, investors group and one with Brandish who are like yes. a brand consultancy yeah. uh, ad agency yes. in the city. Yes. Um, so those are great for different reasons, but this is one I just snapped it up. I didn't even know what CWV national leasing was. Well, what um, is it? Tell it, us what, yeah, that, us what I figured I should, because uh, I had, it took me a while to figure it out too. So first of all, it's a, it's a division of Canadian Western bank specifically devoted to commercial equipment financing. So we are a bank for business owners who want equipment. So, you know, Joe Farmer needs to outfit his farm with new grain bins and a new tractor. We provide the lease financing for that. Um, so we basically, we sell money and, and uh, enable business owners to succeed and grow by getting the, the equipment they need to scale or to kind of maintain their operations um, without, you know, spending all their cash. That's awesome. And, mm-hmm. and I've been, I, I, I've been on a, uh, an entrepreneurship crawl with the Ch- Winnipeg Chamber of Commerce. We went into national leasing. They took us on a number of places. We stopped in there. And the culture, the employee culture there is off the chart amazing about how they care about you and how they, how they uh, want to treat their employees and how they want to take care of the wellness of their workforce. You just want to talk about that for a sec? Because I, 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 I think it's an amazing company. For sure. And I mean, it's a company that's won a lot of awards when, when you know, top 100 employers in Canada type awards and stuff. Yeah, from the get-go, I was really impressed by the culture, just the way they recruit the right people with the right mindsets. People have fun at work um, while still getting a lot done. It's a very successful company. So, yeah, it's pretty special. And like I kind of mentioned earlier, there's kind of cool, nippy things. Like there's an arcade and there's a gym on site. Uh, they got this, like, cool coffee machine that I use way too much that uh, – Get get some good espresso going during the day and stuff <laughs> that like that. That would like, be the one reason I would work there. 
Yeah. Yeah. It was like, yeah. it's worth it for that alone. And then you add all the other it's stuff. It's worth it for that <laughs> exactly, alone. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so why are you here actually? The, the opening question for an interview, CJ, I'm not sure. Why are you here? Coffee machine. For the espresso. <laughs> yeah. That's why I'm here. I yeah, would get hired. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's a pretty special place to work. Um, it's been different for these last two years since, uh, since the pandemic, you know, we, as soon as that kicked in, we kind of went to a remote workforce and now we're kind of doing this hybrid thing. So we'll go in for like connections that count. We'll go in when it, it makes sense for us to all go in. Maybe it's a group meeting, things like that. So I find myself in the office once or twice a week and the rest of the time I'm right here at home. Um, I well, love well, that. You got to get in there for the workout room. I was so impressed with that thing. You got to go it's work out nice, there. You got sure. a gym and a workout room. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And the yeah, espresso. Riley, you yeah. seem to be hanging more time here than you should. Like, why? Oh, no. <laughs> that sounds like a resort. <laughs> it's a bit, yeah. It, well, you know, when you walk and tour the place, it has a bit of, it has a hotel-like feel to it because it's, it, and people are so happy. It is a kind of an amazing yeah. place. And it's it all a big, like, open concept, yes. right? Like, every, it, everybody's kind of, you, you feel connected in that sense, too. So, it's a, yeah, it's a pretty cool environment, uh, a company that definitely takes care of its people. I've got a great team, a great leader. Which is important. Which was important to me when kind of going after this job and stuff too. I think kind of going back to what I was saying about um, making sure you're not the smartest person in the room. If you have, if you can, kind of find mentors who are going to kind of be a champion for your growth and help you learn things along the way. Um, that can make a huge difference. So um, I've been very fortunate at CWB National Leasing to have a great marketing manager her name is Dina. She saw something in me when I was a summer student, uh, kept me along as a freelance. And then uh, ultimately I, uh, I got hired out of school for a job that was probably a little bit above like an entry level position. Again, I'd accumulated the skills in school that I was ready for it. Uh, I had the drive and the knowledge, um, but that was also made possible due to, due to the mentorship and support I had along the way. Hey, how important is it to find those advocates for you? Those people who will say, yeah, I'll vouch for this guy. I'm in your corner. How important is that in your life? Because when you said you were feeling a little depressed and stuff, mm -hmm. you feel like you don't have that, right? You feel like you're yeah. on your own. You feel like you got to figure this out and struggle. When you have people in your corner, how does that feel? Uh, it's, it's awesome. And it's something that I don't take for granted um, because it can, make, it can make things a lot easier. Now, in order to gain people like that, you have to display some value. And you, and you have to you have to be kind of bought in equally, you know, people aren't going to um, kind of be your advocate if you're kind of coasting, but if you kind of yeah. display that hunger and, and, you know, I've also gone through periods where I didn't have that mentor and, and I just, and I did just fine because I think the first thing you have to have is a very strong sense of self. That's something I gained through travel and life experience. Um, I know who I am and now I have the skills to show who I am and what kind of value I can bring. And, and because of that, people have been very willing to help me from my Crecom instructors to my, to my managers, et cetera. Very happy to help me take things to another level because I've shown that desire and ability. Yeah. That's a two way street, right? And, 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 and I love that you've moved forward, getting skilled, building your, your sensibility, building your, your, uh, your sense of where I belong and, and looking for your fit. People notice that, that, I really believe that. And that's a message for all uh, my team here, but for any class I always work with, if they see you're curious and you're working hard, people are going to be interested in you. And that's an important, 
that's an important way to live your life and 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 to path forward. So good for you, Riley. For that's sure. pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. You guys have any questions, or is it time? It's time for okay. Here's it the time. Is time. We're gonna, we're gonna do something for you. No, it's not that time. It's this time. <laughs> it's called quick cues, Riley, and we're gonna ask you some quick questions, and it's gonna be they're gonna be administered by Andre. And your your goal here is to just answer them. They're quick, and they could be anything. Cool. It's right or wrong. There's no. I mean, there's no right or wrong, and uh, we we get them done. It's our way to get to know you a little more intimately. So I'm gonna turn it over to Great Monsieur Boisjoli. C'est ça. And we'll start off. Dog or cat person? I'm a cat person. I've got one cat, but I love dogs too. Does pineapple belong on pizza? No. Do you have a favorite family tradition? I love going fishing with my dad. What do you put on toast? Peanut butter. Favorite summer activity? Fishing again. Messy or tidy desk? So messy. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Pronounce D-A-T-A. Data. Starbucks or Tim's? Starbucks. Favorite social media? Mm, it's a love-hate thing with all of them. I'm going to say... Uh, MySpace. <laughs> texting or phone calls? Uh, texting. Outdoors or indoors? Outdoors. Cold or warm milk? Cold or warm milk? Yeah. Cold. Favorite genre of music? Uh, rock and roll. Toilet paper. Over or under? Trying to think. Uh, over. Morning or night? Night. You believe in ghosts? Noon. No. No. <laughs> Greatest fear? Greatest fear. I don't know. I don't. I don't get caught up in in fear too much. And your favorite podcast? Favorite podcast? Um, Norm Macdonald live. Oh, that's the wrong answer. Career wrong. Wrong answer. Oh, I think he saved it. I think he saved it. But that means but, we're second but place. That's right about the Norm Macdonald one. That's outstanding. <laughs> oh, that's pretty outstanding. outrageous. It is. He's outrageous. Oh, I love Norm yeah. Macdonald. I was so sad when he passed away. Did you feel Me that too. way? He's got oh. a new special coming out. He recorded before he passed away. No, so. he didn't. I'm excited yeah. for that. You're not he is supposed to be soon. sentimental. We're supposed to be mad at him for not okay, getting yes, the right yes, answer. Yes. Come on. What are you doing? How dare you? How dare you bring up that cat on our podcast? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you know what, Riley? This has been a lot of fun. And your story is amazing. And I love that I reconnected with you. And uh, I love that your life has taken this path. And I love that you're finding what's what your truth is. Like there's a point where you talked about here where you just said, it's got to be kind of right for me. And they, mm -hmm. they, they perceive that in you when you engage people. There's a certain authenticity to you that's very special. And I think people perceive that when you engage them. And I, I have a feeling that's part of why people want to work with you. They know what they're getting and they, and you work hard to make sure you, you bring them great skill. So good for you, man. I'm, I don't know what to say. So I'm your ex teacher. But I'm super proud of you. No, not your I dad. appreciate that. It's, 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 it's so cool. You can call me Adriano if you like. Well, do I, I guess, uh, yeah. Today is the official day. Dad. What an honor. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You guys are still Mr. Magnifico. Maybe yeah. for life. Okay? <laughs> yeah. right? This guy's earned it. All right. I'm kidding. Anyway. Hey, Riley, thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. It was great fun. And to my team, thank you. And to everyone out there listening, we'll be back for another edition one day soon of Adventures in Careerland. Land.